Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Okay, today's sermon text is from Psalm 8. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Psalms in your Bible. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The word of the Lord for us today. Um, Well, today is going to be our last psalm that we're going to look at for a while. Uh, All through Advent, we uh, looked at a bunch of different psalms and kind of asked ourselves, uh, well, we tried to imagine ourselves in in their space. Uh, A lot of them had to do with moving towards uh, Jerusalem in, in a group of people to worship on a, on a pilgrimage kind of thing. Uh, well, this, this psalm is, uh, is a little different. Um, it is uh, the first kind of psalm of praise that we get to if we were reading in, into um, uh, the, the book of Psalms. This is the first one we come to that kind of starts this way. But I, I also want us, though, to imagine what I, what I might imagine might be the, uh, the location where... King David, and this is attributed to King David, where he thought up this psalm. Um, So I want you to imagine yourself, um, it is not January 1st, it is June 20th, I don't know, just picked a random date, it's summer, but not hot, not too hot yet, but uh, you know, warm enough to be nice. You are outside in a giant field in the middle of nowhere, okay? And it is, let's see, what, what time does the sun set in June? Let's say it's 10 o'clock at night. And you're in the middle of nowhere at 10 o'clock at night in June. It's warm, but not overly hot. And you look up in the sky, and what do you see? Stars, yes. Lots and lots and lots of stars. Especially if you're in the middle of nowhere, right? Um, uh, you see, it's just, it's, it's, Marvelous, right? I, I, I imagine that that's where King David is right now. Of course, uh, in Israel in David's time, there wouldn't have been a whole lot of light pollution. Um, be, when we moved to St. Louis, one of the first things we noticed, like I remember this very vivid, vividly, uh, we were moving something from the garage to the outside down entrance of the of the basement here at the church, and Lori and I were, were, call, were uh, carrying this heavy piece of furniture, and Lori looks up and she's like, we can see the stars. Like, we, we, hadn't, we hadn't seen a whole lot of those before, partly because of you know, all the light and partly because our neighbor had two like, 100-year-old oak trees that were just ginormous, and there were a million squirrels, million squirrels. Anyway, 
That's the here or, 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 or there. So I, I kind of want, want you to, to put that in, in, your, in your brain first. And so uh, the psalm, though, starts, and it, it's got a fun little thing. Uh, the first line and the last line are the same. And uh, I, I won't bore you with, like, the technical biblical literature term for that. Uh, but I think it's important. Uh, the beginning line, which is, uh, Our Lord, O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. Um, that line will show up at the end. And I think, hopefully, I think this is what David intended, that we read this beginning line and we're like, praise God, because that's essentially what he's saying. Uh, but that by the time we get to the bottom of the psalm, uh, that we will read that same phrase and, and we'll be able to kind of understand it a little bit of a different and fuller way, if that makes sense. So let's go for it. Um, I, I want to say two things, though, about verse 1 here. And uh, there we go. It's good. Um, first, it starts with, O Lord. Uh, now, uh, you're, you're, if you have a Bible, looking at it or on the phone, you might notice that it is uh, drop caps. Like, it's got one big capital letter, or it's all caps there, right? So it's L-O-R-D, big capital letters. And, and most of the time, or it's uh, a big L with capital smaller letters. letters. Uh, at least that's how it is in my Bible. And whenever you see, whenever you see uh, it printed that way, there's a very specific Hebrew word behind it. it it's, the, it's the name for God that God gives Israel at, uh, well, I guess he gives it to Moses, right? Um, at the burning bush. And it's Yahweh. Except a good Jewish person would never pronounce that name. Like they would substitute Adonai. So that's, uh, that's kind of a, another name for God. But this is making a very, very specific ga- uh, case. A very, very specific case for who the one that David is praising is. It is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, the God of Moses and now King David. Like this is Israel's, this is Israel's God. <laughs> o Lord, our sovereign. Now, um, your translations might say, O God, right? Our, our God, right? Um, now, n- normally, this is kind of more of a generic name for God, actually. Um, but it's making another very specific claim. Uh, it's possessive, Right? Uh, we talk about our church. It's the church that we belong to or that belongs to us or my family, the, the family that I, I belong to, my family. Um, I think sometimes we, we think and we look at this kind of language and we're like, that's my God. That's the God that I control. Maybe sometimes, right? But I don't think that's how David is meaning. It's not like that's my God who I pray to to make him do the things that I want to do. Uh, want him to do, like all of the surrounding cultures around them, like they would have prayed to their God uh, that they possessed, that the rain might fall and the crops might grow and things like that. I think, coupled together, making this confession about who the God is that he is singing to in history, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this is, uh, it is not that Israel possesses God, but that God possesses Israel. I think it's an important, an important point. David is confessing, not only is the God who he sings about, the one who created everything, but it is the one who created and shaped 
his people into a holy people, uh, the people of God, uh, those who are God's children, loved, who, who will be used and sent out into the world to bring, uh, well, to bless the entire world. That's God's promise to Abraham, anyway, before he has kids. So, uh, our Lord, O oh, our Lord, our sovereign, how majestic in your na- is your name in all of the earth. The second part of verse 2 is, you have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes, infants, and infants, you have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. A couple of things here. Um, you have set your glory above the heavens. Now, we, we have, uh, you can have a whole discussion about heaven and what it might look like, right? People have claimed to have died and gone to heaven and, like, wrote books about um, what it was like. And, and I don't know. I, I don't know all about those things. Um, but, but I think what David is referring to is not necessarily, like, the place where God resides, we might call heaven. Uh, but as you look up at that big sky on June 20th in the summer, in the middle of nowhere, in a field, there's a, there's a sense of, well, vastness, right? Uh, that there is, that there's something beyond and greater than just what, what is on our little patch of earth. There's the, the sun, which at the time they knew nothing about, and the moon, about which they also knew nothing except that it showed up at the same time all throughout the year. Uh, the cultures around Israel, though, would have believed that, well, uh, that these celestial being bodies were also kind of gods. And so David is proclaiming, not only are you the God who created everything, not only do we as a people, God's people, belong to you, but your glory and your power exists above anything else that anyone else might claim as being divine. Everything that is, even the things that we can't understand, your glory is above all of those things. You set your glory above the heavens. Um, Verse 2 is a little, I tell you what, sometimes I study passages of scripture and I think, okay, I I got a good handle on what the author is probably trying to say here. Um, And I read other authors when I get a little stuck. And when it came to looking up this verse, nobody I read could agree with, with what exactly it meant. So here's what I think. Um, I think, out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have founded a bulwark because of your foes. To silence the enemy and the avenger. I, I think, now children weren't really valued a whole lot, not like we do today. We love and value our children. We set up special procedures so that they are safe when they are at church and other places. I, I think the psalmist is making a contrast here. You've set your glory above the heavens, and yet, and yet, because of the little infant and the toddler, uh, you have decided to care and protect for, for the world. Like, even these insignificant little people that only poop and pee and snot. Uh, that they're important. And it's because of them. And if they could speak, if they could speak, they would, they would join in with this praise because they know, they know that God is for them and with them. And it has put this, here's a nice, like, old word, work. A big fence, a wall, if you will, uh, around your, around 
your beloved creation. Uh, verse 3, though, is, at, is the kind of the, the pivot point. And, uh, and here's, here's why I asked you to kind of imagine yourself on June 20th in the summer, in the middle of nowhere, in a field at night. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, I'll just hang on right there for a second. Uh, as you're imagining this, I have a very specific image in my head about June 20th, maybe not necessarily the specific day, in a field in the middle of nowhere on a clear summer night. And I very, very distinctly remember the first time uh, I was confronted with the, the, the glory and the spectacularness of the night sky. Um, I, I grew up in Pennsylvania, East Coast, um, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Amish and Mennonite people. And while it felt rural, like because there's farms and horses and buggies and stuff, like population density-wise, pretty urban. Uh, and light pollution everywhere. You, know, you just couldn't get away from it. So you couldn't see a whole lot of the stars. And my dad, my dad had this, this fascination with flintlock muzzleloaders and history, right? So much so that he would build these things. He would, he would buy a barrel and some of the metal parts and some of the other metal parts he would make himself and he would uh, uh, carve out a big hunk of wood and begin to fit all those little pieces into it and then shape it to where it looked uh, like something that could have been made in... 1776. Uh, and so we, we would go every year to this place up in northern Pennsylvania to dress up as if we were not, not pilgrims, more like, uh, I don't know. No, no, it was like, uh, like, like Revolutionary War uh, mountain men, maybe, more like it. I, don't make fun of me, please, please. I'm being vulnerable. Do not make fun of me. Well, we, we would do that, and, and like you had to, oh, I don't think I have any, but I, I do have, my, my dad made me um, one of these muzzleloaders for my 13th birthday, and still, I still have it. But we would go, and, and the, the rule was to participate in the festivities, and it's actually a competition. So like you bought targets, and you, you bought into it, and then you shot, and you, you know, the best score won, and we, all kinds of things. It was a lot of fun. Eh, yeah, it was fun. I tell you this because out of, well, anyway. We had the camp like it was that time, too. And so we basically had a, a canvas wedge tent, you know, and nothing on the ground. And it was fun until, like, I woke up with a bug in my ear one night. That's when we got the hammock. <laughs> Sadly, I don't think it protected me either. But I, but I remember one night uh, waking up, I could go to the bathroom or something, or I couldn't sleep or and so I don't know how I'm, I'm 13, 14 maybe. And I step out into the middle of this field where, where all of the activities would generally happen. And I looked up and just the night sky was amazing. Like so many stars. Like I couldn't, I couldn't believe, couldn't believe how many were there. And, and, uh, and like the Milky Way, the dustiness that kind of went across. And I've realized as I've been contemplating this particular psalm, I have been, I have been chasing that same view like the rest of my life. Anytime I get out in the middle of anywhere that's uh, maybe a little rural, I hope that it's a clear night and that I can get out late enough till the sun has gone down and look up and see that same glorious sky. 
and I have <clears throat> I've been disappointed every time you get choked up. I've been disappointed every single time. Uh, nothing seems to compare to that that moment, that first time stepping out in the middle of that clearing and seeing sky. Uh, he goes on. What are human beings that you are mindful of them? Mortals that you care for them? Hey, we step out into this blank field, June 20th, middle of night, clear skies, and we look up and we see ah, the sense of bigness, vastness, like worlds that are millions and maybe billions of years away, like these, the spectacularness of it. And we contemplate how small we are in the midst of that. How, how tiny and insignificant. And we don't stay in that moment um, as the psalm progresses. But I think David has walked out into this field and he says, Oh, God, our, our God, the one who created us, that, that cares for even little babies, what am I? What are you, what, what, what is my friends and my family, what is my nation that you would even spend a moment looking after us? Uh, verse 5. Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. Uh, your version might say uh, heavenly beings, lower than heavenly beings, but again, it's kind of a generic word for God here. And yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put, the, put all things under their feet. Uh, we step into that smallness, that insignificance, that our, our little tininess and the vastness of this great creation. And, and the psalmist realizes, yes, I am small and God is big, but, but I have been created so that I might do something. That, I wasn't, that we weren't just created to be milling about for God to watch for entertainment. But that God, God has created us and placed us in a very specific place in the whole created order and said, I want to share my creative, redemptive spirit with you. See, one of the things I think we've been saying for, for a while, at least part of my own musings, I guess, is that God's, God's creative power didn't stop at the end of Genesis 2, at the end of uh, the creation story. Uh, that God's creative, creative power is still working in the world. In fact, I think God's creative power is what, what allows salvation for us to happen, right? Uh, what is the opposite of death? It's, it's creation. The opposite of Jesus' crucifixion is resurrection. And, and God has invited us to share in that resurrection creative power and energy. Can't read my own writing. You've given them, you've crowned them with glory. You've given them dominion over the works of your hands and you've put all things under their feet. God has invited us into well, dominion. I, I kind of have a icky feeling about the word dominion. I don't know what it might say in your in your Bible. I, I think a lot of times for me it, it has kind of a, a domination kind of 
connotation to it. And I don't think that's what, well, I wrote, I wrote a paper about this, so yeah, I, w I won't make you read it. Uh, but I think, I think dominion has more of a stewardship connotation. Uh, that, that it's an invitation uh, to exercise God's creative and restorative power in and among the world around us. With, with people, with our relationships with each other, right? Uh, to, to steward our relationships, but also the, the physical stuff around us. And I think it means to, to help his creation flourish and fulfill its potential and of what God has created it to be in the first place. That's, we're small in the, in the light of God's creation. God has put us in a place to care for each other and for the world. You put all things under their feet, which is a, you know, a, kind of an image for bowing down to somebody and, and if you lay something at someone's feet, it means it's, it's theirs to have custody over or to do with as they, as they would like. All the sheep and all the oxen and, and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and whatever passes along the paths of the sea. Uh, there's a this, this downward motion to this psalm. We start with above the heavens and we end up in all the little places in the sea where little tiny plankton live. And we are there in the, in the, in the middle of all of that as an important part of God's creation. called to, to help and steward. Now, here, here's, here's a problem. And, and those of you who have kids will understand this. Um, I think sometimes we're a little bit like kids who want to help, but we really don't want to take direction on how to help. Have you, have you ever had your children be like, I want to help? Yeah? Yeah? Not just, not just mine? And, uh, and they do, but then scrambled eggs get everywhere. You got shells in places shells shouldn't be, and salmonella, and just all of that. I mean, like I recognize that in, in my own, you know, my own childhood. Uh, I think it's why my dad didn't teach me a whole lot of the woodworking stuff that he loved to do with those muzzlers, because I don't think I was patient enough uh, to learn. I think part of what we are doing here, I know what part, what part of what we're doing here, is, is that we're learning participate with God in the world as stewards of our relationships with each other, our relationships with the world, of, as stewards of the sheep and the cattle and the goats. Some of you have goats. And the chickens and the things in the sea. But that we're like a, a kid who wants to help but just doesn't really know how. That makes a mess of things sometimes. That's our sinfulness, I think. But I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that our sinfulness has not removed us from this place of stewardship, uh, of sharing in God's creative and restorative and redemptive power. Uh, but, but in God's greatness, in God's bigness, uh, that he has looked to us and says, even though you are small, even though you mess up all the time, 
I still call you to participate with what I'm doing. I call you to participate in creation, restoration, and redemption. No, you don't have to go anywhere. I don't make New Year's resolutions. Well, not generally. If I do, I break them (laughs) quite early. But I think January 1st, 2023, I hope that it can be our, our resolution that in the coming year, we will grow, well, work hard along with the Spirit's help for us, to grow into this place of stewardship for creation. Uh, That we would exercise God's creative and redemptive power in and among the relationships that we have. Bringing healing and and hope to those broken places. Uh, That we we would continue to ask ourselves, all right, God, you've asked me to help, now show me how. Help me in my smallness. Help us in our smallness and insignificance. I hope that perhaps every time that you step outside this year and it's dark and clear and you can see the stars, doesn't matter how many, right? I hope that every time you are confronted with the majesty of God's creation all around us, that you might say that you might say oh Lord our sovereign how majestic is your name in all the earth what are, what are we that you look that you look to us that you are mindful of us and then you might be reminded that yes uh, we're, we're fallible small human beings but nevertheless God has called us and so that this year we might, we might live into that calling to be, uh, well, to participate with God's creative and restoring and redeeming power in the world. I think that's what this meal is about. So, uh, I, I am convinced uh, that we have this meal because we're to be reminded, yeah, of, of God's sacrifice. But we're to be reminded that uh, on the other side of that is God's continuing work of creation and redemption in the world. And that as we ingest these, the bread and juice, uh, that it might strengthen us uh, to go out to participate with what God is doing. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.